Hello there, and welcome to the Lutheran Diaconal Association's series on the five images of the diaconate. We are so glad that you are here today to learn a little more about what it means to be a deacon or a deaconess. The images of the diaconate were developed by a scholar by the name of Antonia Lynn in an article she wrote from the book, The Deacon's Ministry. But the definitions I want to share with you today are interpreted by LDA Deaconess and Emeritus Executive Director, our most beloved E. Louise Williams. Today, in this podcast, we get to hear from a deacon or a deaconess about their work and how it reflects one of the five images. But first, let's start with a quick definition of one of those images. Doorkeeper. Members of the diaconate moved across those boundaries as go-between, as agent, as emissary, leading the church more and more into diaconia in the world and inviting the world with it, longing and pain evermore into the church. It's both taking a stand on the boundaries and moving back and forth. Doorkeeping also includes advocating for people, crossing boundaries of comfort to serve those in need. I'll hit the stop on you if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> stop recording. Yeah, okay. Well, Deacon Steve, my uh, brother in service and also a dear friend whom I also went through, uh, we went through uh, formation together for at least a portion of our formation. Each of us, we overlapped. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and that was back in, in 2014, 2015, 2014, I do believe. Yes, yeah, somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. So um, it's a pleasure to talk to you in this setting um, and this podcast to talk a little bit about the five images of diaconia. And so, um, Deacon Steve, how is your work, um, your past work, as well as your work today that you're doing with the Ukrainian students, how does that reflect the image, the diaconal image of doorkeeping? Well, actually, the, that's a, a very strong image for me, along with, and I tie in also the gift of hospitality with doorkeeping, mm -hmm. because to me, the role of the deacon is to bridge the church and the world. Mm -hmm. And what got me thinking about it and actually became a trigger for my doctoral dissertation was a book back in the 90s called The Once and Future Church, where he talks about the end of Christendom as we know it and a redefinition of the church and society. And instead of having closed walls, mm -hmm. he talks about us having permeable walls, mm -hmm. which really has intrigued me over the years and where I've spent a lot of my time in my work. So in 1986, I was invited to join uh, her brokering in taking groups behind the Iron Curtain in preparation for a 1990 event 
where we were going to take 400 into East Germany to build bridges with congregations and East Germans. Well, that whole thing became a story because East Germany shut down in the middle of our project and we had to keep redefining it. But the point was that we were building bridges between the church as we knew it and the culture around us. So that got me very interested in all of this. Um, and I could go on and on, but to get to the current point, about a year and a half ago, a former student posted on Facebook that an organization was forming. This was right after the war in Ukraine started. And um, they were going to set up the foreign teachers to, because all the schools were closed in Ukraine, to set up teaching English. And there would be no charge to the student. Uh, we were all volunteers. And I read that and I said, I have to do it. I just have to do it. Mm -hmm. So I got in touch with the website, you know, of those of that group. And <laughs> but I had to tell them, I said, I'm not an English teacher. I'm not certified in ESL. You know, I, I don't want to pretend to be something I'm not. I said, I just want to be in a ministry of encouragement with Ukrainian young people. And so my class was titled uh, Conversation and Storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it was for people that had some English skills, um, but wanted to expand vocabulary and work on pronunciation. So that's what I did. And the largest the class ever got was seven. And now we're down to a pretty consistent three. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't been in touch with that organization probably in a year and over a year. I don't even know if they still exist. Mm -hmm. um, this is the three that have, we've just stayed together. And I, at least for me, I can honestly say, I feel like we're becoming friends. The, the three are, I have grandchildren the same age as each of the three of them. Uh, so this becomes very personal for me when I think about if that was my granddaughter living in Kiev and how my granddaughter would respond to what they're going through. Um, but I do have grandchildren all the same age as these three. Wow. And my primary purpose is for them to know that somebody cares. Yes. Um, you're not isolated. You're not alone. Uh, you have people out here who care about you. Mm -hmm. And so that's primarily what we do. Mm -hmm. um, I just think in this world right now, the ministry of the church needs to be to help people calm down. Um, because things are in complete chaos and turbulence yeah. and it's frightening and the pandemic didn't help and the war isn't helping. Um, but we need to calm down and mm -hmm. privately, I, none of my group is connected with the church. So I don't get into a lot of that kind of discussion, 
but I, I do come at it from the philosophy that God's got your back. There's nothing to worry about. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so each week, in fact, every day, I send them some kind of a good morning or good evening meme from, you know, from the internet, just to have a daily connection of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing. The image of doorkeeper came, became very vivid to me when you mentioned that none of your students are actually churched. And isn't that, isn't that wonderful? It's, it's your hand in this time and place, what God is giving you to do, opening the door of the church and going out. And I, I, I just think that it, it just became incredibly vivid to me what you're doing um, when you mentioned that none of these students are are um, are churched or <laughs> religious in any way. I don't know if church is a great way to say that, but in, in, well, in they, they, they refer to themselves as not religious, not religious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and none of their families, they keep the Ukrainian traditions but none of them, they describe themselves as not religious. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. What mm-hmm. I want to be is, I want to be what, I forget who said this, Jesus with skin on. Mm-hmm. I want them to see love mm-hmm. and acceptance and support. Mm-hmm. But I have found that, for example, <laughs> I shouldn't say this publicly, I went to Taco Bell a couple of Fridays ago because I was hungry for Mexican. (laughs) And I'm in there and a group of young adults come in, young adult men. And they were being their usual noisy selves. And I could feel my inner curmudgeon just coming out going, would you please be quiet? Yeah. (laughs) And so they sat down at a table close to me and began a discussion about how European languages were formed in the Indo-European tradition and how that's impacted modern language and how that's impacting language in the United States and how the accents in Appalachia and the accents, they're just going on and on and on. And I'm going, okay, this is not a Taco Bell conversation. (laughs) So I had finished eating and I thought, oh, well, what the heck? So I got up and I went over to their table and I of said, "Of course, you did, Steve." <laughs> I did. I did. Of course. I, I wanted. I just was fascinated. So I got up and went to the table and I said, "Gentlemen, obviously I'm old, but I need to tell you that I've been blatantly eavesdropping on your conversation, and I am fascinated. I would love to know more." So they invited me to sit down, and. Two hours later, I finally said, you know, I really need to get home. Yeah, Um, two hours. Yeah, and we just were going and going and going. And and, um, I learned so much Mm -hmm. from them. I mean, two of them are cricket farmers. I never thought about there being cricket farmers, you know. (laughs) Uh, And and none of them had, I thought they were all university students, the kind of conversation going on. Mm-hmm. No, none of them. Um, and two of them had dropped out and two never went. These That's are brilliant. just things. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was 
a rich, powerful mm. evening just mm. by engaging in conversation with four young adults at Taco Bell. The church needs to learn how to do that. But the Ukrainian students have a special place in my heart. Um, I, I shared with you earlier, last week they were discussing how um, they spent the weekend looking out their apartment windows, watching the military shoot down drones and all these explosions. It's like living in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, I would just be in the corner sucking my thumb. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you just get used to it. And I thought, well, I'm not sure I could get used to it, but God bless you. I mean, they, the perseverance and resilience of, of these young people and their families yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. and But, you know, I think, uh, Steve, it's not something we want our young people to have to get used to. Um, it is wonderful that they have that resilience. Um, but I think also we want the church to know that also there is still our, we have a, a, um, a duty to make sure that we are reaching people, as we like to say in the diaconate on, on bended knee and on tiptoe as well, that these things, these sorts of wars are not being permitted to continue and to happen, no matter how you feel about it politically war is not healthy um yeah it's not healthy and it's uh and that these students uh, have um adapted is wonderful but wouldn't it be a wonderful world if they didn't have to (laughs) yeah what's going on over there now in kiev life is still somewhat normal not Mm -hmm. not completely but the country is being bombed into oblivion Mm-hmm. And I, the the youngest member of the group is the same age as my high school granddaughter, mm-hmm. and I and I just keep thinking of my granddaughter having to live through that. No, yeah. absolutely not. No. You know, we we cannot find this to be acceptable. Sure, but you know what? My sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. I have no control over Putin. Mm-hmm. I have no control over any of those people. Mm-hmm. But if I can be a friend to these three mm-hmm. to encourage support that's what i would want for my grandchildren for them to know somebody cares yeah and that's why i do this every monday at noon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um but the church needs to learn that there's a world full of frightened people mm. and they don't need us screaming about what's wrong they need us screaming about how God's love brings peace and and it's going to be okay. And I think we need to strengthen our message there. Mm-hmm. I could go on forever, as you know. Yes, but guess what we're going to do next? We get to meet the students. I get to meet your students, not you. Yes. You know they are. yes. I get to meet your students. And um, so we don't want to be late. And, and they get to meet you. They get yes. to meet you. So. Yes. So we're going to end this conversation uh, between two friends, between two co-workers in Christ here, and we are going to hop over to Kiev. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Once again, 
Thank you so much for tuning in to learn a little more about what it means to be a deacon or a deaconess. If you are feeling called to the diaconate after hearing this or hearing all five of the images and want to have a one-on-one conversation with an LDA deacon or deaconess, or perhaps you're discerning how your ministry could benefit from having a deacon or a deaconess in your congregation, you can find us at thelda.org or reach out to me, Deaconess Adrian. My info is in the show notes. Sending you Phoebe love. Bye-bye for now.